Welcome to Life in the Valley, the podcast of the people at Summit Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. We gather each week in the heart of St. Paul on historic Summit Avenue, where our mission is to create rhythm, opportunity, and location where people like you can have life-changing experiences with God. Our podcast is one of those locations. As followers of Christ, we are doing our best to be on mission, disciple others, deliver hope, and champion this city. At any point in your journey with us today, if you want to take a next step or you just want to stay in the loop with everything going on at Summit, just grab your phone and simply text the phrase, be known, all one word, be known to the number 651-360-2908. We will send you a short form that makes it super easy for you to complete. There's always new opportunities to mention and new ways that you can get involved. One of the rhythms that is important to following Jesus and important to us at Summit is studying scripture. As we study the Bible, we can have one, hope, two, find guidance, three, be corrected, and four, receive truth into our lives. Listen in and lean in with us wherever you are, open up God's word, and hear this week's message. I've got a question for you. Now, this is a deep theological question. Because everybody knows in this room, if you've heard me preach before, I always start out really deep and theological. What's the rules when it comes to the bacon buffet? What I mean is, like, what's the rules? What's the rules when you go into a buffet and there's a tray of bacon at, you know, the Continental Breakfast Holiday Inn? The, the, the big square with the sterno that's heating it up, what's the rule when there's no sign and there's other people or you're by yourself, what's the rule with that tray? Like, what's the thing that, like... Take two, that's the rule. It's two pieces. But it's really not there. Where did we learn this rule? What is prohibiting us, other than the word nothing, from taking the entire tray of bacon and just lifting it out of the thing, blowing out the sterno and just taking it back to your chair. Why wouldn't you do that? What's the rules? I got to know the question. What are the rules? Or the answer to the question, what are the rules when it comes to bacon? What are the rules when it comes to donuts? Don't, don't not eat them. Here's my question. When it comes to the rules or when we don't know what the rules are or when the rules change, what guides us? What keeps us moving? Okay. We're going to stop the shouting the answer at me right now. I made a transition. You transition with me too. Internally, in your head, have you asked that question, what are the rules versus the idea of values here? There was uh, on the table, by the bacon, by the donuts, I wrote a little sign for you. It didn't say take two. It didn't say take one. It didn't say dads only. It just said what? Remember your, remember your heart. Some of you read the sign. Some of you could care less what the sign was, and you took five pieces. It said, remember your heart. 
Xavier, my son, uh, is training for football with one arm right now. And he's in a season of weightlifting. He's between his eighth grade and his freshman year. He's almost my height, and he's 200 and probably 15 pounds already. He's an eighth grader. He's a big kid. So he's trying to figure out how to gain more muscle, how to get more speed. But he's got a whole bunch of new things that are shifting in his life. Normally, he eats whatever he wants. Now, his values have changed. His goals have changed. And it's... Okay, I'm going to just talk about something real quick. I don't usually lead worship, Brandon, and I jumped in on a pinch. And you did that during worship. Oh, I want an applause. When you did that during one of the songs, that's when I really felt like we broke through another level. We entered the throne room. Because when you sneeze, the... Never mind. But Xavier has got a certain set of rules from his parents, like when it comes to candy, when it comes to, you know, sugar, when it comes to caffeinated beverages, when it comes to eating late, when it comes to all the things that as a dad, I have tried to help him have a good relationship with food. But right now, during this season, when he's lifting weights for football, I don't even have to even talk to him about it because the values are dictating his decision, not my rules. He doesn't touch candy. He's not interested in meaningless carbs. He's training. Do you see the shift there for a second? Whether you're a dad or you're a grandma or a grandpa or a mom, if you have kids or grandkids, or if you are hopeful in having kids or grandkids, or if you yourself are trying to make decisions in your life, you need to know on Father's Day, today, we're going to look at a big difference between the values of the kingdom versus the rules of your heart. There's a, there's a glaring, obvious difference when we are dictated by rules or values. And the rules are this, one set of explicit or understood regulations or principles governing conduct within a particular activity or sphere. That's what a rule is. Now, a value is a person's principles or standards of behavior, one judgment of what is important in life. Fathers, do you raise your kids with rules or are you raising them with values? Followers of Jesus, are you living your life with a set of rules or a set of kingdom values? Grandparents, do you see your grandkids? Are you setting parameters for them with just a bunch of rules or are you instilling values that are guiding them? Young person, college, career, paradox member, student, whatever the case may be, your context for your life is different than my life, and you got to understand the rules are changing. In our society, in our state, in our culture, in the world we live in, the country we inhabit, the rules are radically shifting. The rules are changing, and they're going to continue to change. You need to understand that if your life is based in the rules, when they change, you're going to find yourself in a whole different set of decisions. Just take one of the rules that might be changing or that are changing. 
what about the legalization of marijuana in our state? So let's back up the conversation for a second. You know, there's some of you in here that um, drink alcohol, some of you don't. And there's a variety of different perspectives about this. We talk about that at the expedition. I've written a statement about alcohol regarding Summit Church and our use or consumption or what is prohibited, what is allowed, what is good for you or the goose or the gander. The truth is, is uh, some of you drink alcohol. Some of you think you don't drink alcohol and you drink kombucha <laughs> and you're drinking alcohol. So <laughs> it's just 0.05%, but a lot of, that's a lot of probiotics. You hear me when I say this. What's the legal limit to drink alcohol? The legal age limit. Let me clarify. Sorry. My brain was there. What's the legal age limit to drink alcohol? 21. It's very interesting to me how we set up these parameters and in the way that we have some of these age, like you could say milestones for voting and drinking and then everything from you just fill in the blanks. But you got to be 21, right? Okay, so some of you don't drink because you're not 21. It's illegal. It's a rule. So when the rules change and you become 21, what do you do? What do people do? You go drink. People have done this. I have friends, they, they turn 21 and then they go, just, they go and they just decide, since the rules now change, they get absolutely hammered. Now, I want you to just clarify here if that's ever been you or is you. I'm not here to say you are this horrible person, but I'm saying to you, as soon as you reach 21, the rules changed, and now your values weren't there, so you just decided to do it because the rules changed. See, what I'm telling you, the rules guide people to not drink alcohol because they're not 21, but the values are what keeping you from letting alcohol get a grip of your life and destroy your life past 21. There's a big difference here. And a lot of times, we, we, we raise kids, fathers, in a set of rules, and then when they get to some place where the rules change, they fall off the wagon. They just don't even know what to do. And you can look at this from this perspective, what happens when it's legal to smoke weed? What are you going to do as a follower of Jesus? Are you going to decide that now it's legal, depending on your opinion of this amount of CBD or THC or cannabis or whatever are you now, since it's legal, now you can just do it? Because let me just tell you something. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's moral. Because there's a different set of values that morality is based in. And we got to understand when the rules change, what's going to be there to guide us in that change. So it's so important for us to really look at the values. As dads, speaking specifically to the dads and granddads and hopeful dads, what you need to grab out of this message is give your kids values, not rules. Because the rules are changing, the rules will change, and their values will leave them changed into the image of Christ. Adam Grant's book on originals, he talks about values in a study surrounding the Holocaust. 
it was a study done by two sociologists who studied non-Jews who risked their life to save Jews during the Holocaust. They were called rescuers, the people that would save other people in this study. And then there were people that were non-Jews that lived in the same town that didn't rescue anyone. They were called non-rescuers in this study. And what ultimately was revealed in the differentiating factor of the rescues from the non-rescues, non-rescuers, was how their parents disciplined bad behavior or brought the value of good behavior. When researchers were asked to recall their childhoods and the discipline they received, these researchers discovered that the rescuers and the non-rescuers had two different experiences. The focus on the parents for the rescuers was always the why or the value behind the rule. It was the why behind their disciplinary action and the moral lesson or the value to be learned rather than just the rule itself. So this study showed that explaining these moral principles, they instilled in their children the importance of voluntarily complying with rules, but more importantly, if the rules changed, they adhered to the values that they had been instilled in. The rescuers were three times more likely to reinforce moral values applied to all people, emphasizing that their parents taught them to respect all human beings. So when we're thinking about this, from our context for today, you can read more about that study in that book. But helpers, instead of um, just being asked to help, being a helper, there were three times more likely to actually to help. Children um, who were asked, don't be a cheater, cheated 50%. Please don't be a cheater. They cheated 50% less than those who were asked, please don't cheat. So if I told you out there on that bacon buffet with the donut buffet, just take one, guess who's going to cheat? All of you. But if I put a sign out there that says, please remember your heart, guess how many of you are going to cheat? 50% less, statistically to this study. Why? Because what's on that table in front of that big tray of bacon or in front of that beautiful maple donut from Willette Bakery down the street on Grand is just simply the value of why you shouldn't eat unlimited donuts and a tray of bacon. It's not good for the thing that keeps you alive. So even in our little experiment today, we set up a hidden camera. (laughs) And I've got live footage from all the cheaters. And we're going to watch all of you take more. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Some of you are nervous, though, for a second. You were like, I'm busted. I got to leave. So even in this study, and it turns out in life, values obviously are more effective than eliciting the outcomes that we want versus or behaviors in a family organization or, or even following Christ. It's impossible to cover all the rules, okay? I I want you to hear this from this study. This is what they write. It is virtually impossible to 
cover all possible rules or monitor the adherence to them. Think about the Torah and the long list of rules that God gave us. The book of Leviticus. It is impossible to keep 600 and some plus rules. Doing so would create a lengthy process, manual, or a draconian set of guidelines that no human could obtain. Interesting, right? So what are your values? What is going to guide you when the rules change? What's guiding your kids? Dads, what have you put inside your kids that are not rules? Because I think it's important for us to look at this. You can open up your Bible. Let's look a little bit about the rules. Matthew 19, 6 through 17. I want to show you just a, a shift that happens even in the rules here. Matthew 19, 16 through 17. Now behold, one came to Jesus and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. What commandments is Jesus referencing there? The ten The Ten Commandments is what Jesus is referencing as far as I can see it in Matthew 19, 16 through 17. Matthew 19, 16 through 17, Jesus says, if you want to enter life, keep the rules. There's 10 of them, and he references them. Go to Matthew 22. It's just a flip over. Maybe a couple flips. Matthew 22. Verse 37 through 40. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. What's Jesus doing with the ten here? He takes it to the two. You, you, You have the ten, and then he takes it to two. He says... This is two, hang on the law and the prophets. The two can house the ten. If you, if you follow the two, you'll get the ten. You hear what I'm saying to you? Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the ten fits into the two. Let's continue. John, different book of the Bible. Two books over, John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you. John 13, 34 through 35. I'll let you flip there. John 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment I give you, that you should love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You know what tells people that Jesus is real and we're following him here at Summit Church more than anything? It's not the donuts. It's not the maple bacon. It's not me. It's, it's certainly not Pastor Brandon's sneeze, although that would wake people up. What is it? It's how you love each other. That's the litmus test. That's how the world knows. Some of you have even articulated this to me, that Summit's just a different church because it feels different. What you're really saying is people actually care. They actually love you. 
Now, I don't know every situation, but I guarantee you this. If a situation comes across my radar, you know darn well I'm going to do something about it. My staff has been equipped and trained. My board is challenged in the same way. We want to help. We want to love. We want that to be the thing. Sometimes it's hard because it's like we don't know everything, and sometimes some of the situations are very difficult, and some of them just need, you know, maybe a donut and a casserole and a meal, and like just proximity with each other. But the point is, is Jesus says, you will be known by how you love one another. So a new commandment I give you. I want you just to see this in Scripture, okay? So you got ten, right? Remember that, the Ten Commandments? Keep the commandments, ten. Jesus says two, love the Lord God with our strength and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. Two, the two fit into the ten. And then Jesus does what? Shifts gears. A new commandment I give you. He says, I want to give you like a new rule here, a new, a new set here, a new, a new thing. What does he say? That you love like I love. So you almost have the 10, the two, and then the one. So what of this is new, I'm asking you? What of this whole conversation in Scripture with the Ten Commandments, the two commandments, if you will, that Jesus summarizes in the Ten, and then this new commandment that Jesus gives when it comes to love? For Jesus, in this part of Scripture, what is new? What's new to this idea? And it's not a trick question, but it's important to note that Leviticus 19, 18 says, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you'll love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus is referencing the Torah. Is loving your neighbor as yourself a new idea here? No, it's over here. It's in the Torah. It's in the law. Jesus is referencing that. It's not a new thing here. It's already in Scripture. Even love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. It's the Shema. Some of you know it. Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear Israel, the Lord God, the Lord God is one. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall walk in them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you're at a twins game and when you rise and when you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, don't get tattoos, just wear a sign and then there should be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, Deuteronomy 6, 9. What is new about those two commandments there? The 10, the two, the one. What is a new idea in here? The, The truth is, is the commandment to love God with your heart, soul, strength, and mind, is the Shema. It's in Deuteronomy. He's referencing it. The, the thing to love your neighbor as yourself, it's already in there. So what was the thing that Jesus gave us that was new, that was so revolutionary, that was so different than the set of rules? What you got to grab a hold of is the fact that Jesus always loved to peel back the spirit of the law and uncover the value. If the rule was there, Jesus was always going to show us the why is it there. He even comes face to face with that in his ministry. Jesus was always showing not just how, but why. Write that down. Here's the new. As I have loved you. This is new. 
this, this is really new because they've never been loved like this. So you got the 10, you got the two, and then you got this new commandment. And the new thing in that new commandment is as I love you. Now you have an example of what this actually looks like. That's the new. Before you didn't have a perfect example. Now the new thing you have is perfection in my example. Jesus says, as I have loved you. That's the new. He lived it, not just set the rules, but lived it in in example. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you here? It's almost like, um, just for sake of just landing this point, when when you see a traffic light and it's red, what do you do? Okay, why? Because it's the rules. It's, that's the law. That's the rules. But what happens if the traffic light's out? What do you have to do now? What do you got to lean on? You got to lean on the value. What's the value of a traffic light? You're trying to protect human life. You're saying human life matters. You don't want to cause an accident. You want to make sure people are safe. You're trying to lean on the value, not the rule. And see what Jesus did here with the Ten Commandments in a sense. He takes them to two, and then he takes them to one, and you know what he says? He says, don't, don't look at the lights real quick. Just understand when the lights are out, here's the value. Here's the one thing that you got to know. It's a new commandment. It's called love, and it's not just any love. It's how I loved you. This is new. This is brand new. So how did Jesus love? That's a good question. That is not an answer that I'm able to answer in the remainder of this service. That is why we have the Gospels. We would be here a while if we went through every way that Jesus loved. But if I could simply encompass it in a statement, it was a self-sacrificing godly love that Jesus lived and died for. Jesus willingly paid the price for you. He even explains in John, John 15, 13, no greater what? than this, that anyone, that someone should give their life for someone else, lay down their life for some another. No greater what? Rule? No greater commandment? No greater, no greater love than this, that someone would lay down their life. So love is the rule, but love is also the value. And this is such a new thing that Jesus is doing here. And if we really look at this from our perspective, what is the kingdom value? What is the most important thing to Christ? How we love. And not just how we love, how we love as he loved. To lay down our life for one another. And can I just talk to the dads real quick? I can go through this, this if you want me to name all the dads that are in here. But dads, listen to me for a second. Come out of your notes. Come out of your to-do list. Come out of your things that you're doing today. Dads, listen to me. The best thing that you can ever do for your kids is yes, give them those values. Yes, instill kingdom reality in their reality. Don't give them a set of rules, but you know what the best thing you can do? Lay down your life for them. There's no greater love than this. And that's a sacrifice. And that comes in different ways. But great dads die every day. Great dads put their kids first. Great dads lay down their priority. Great dads invade their kids' lives. You hear what I'm saying to you? No greater love than this. And I know dads, you sacrifice a lot for your kids and you, you're providing and maybe you, you got someone who's doing that in your family and you're there financially. Let's get that out of the picture. 
the biggest thing that you can do sometimes for your dad, for your kids' dads, is when you're laying down your life, it's prioritizing your calendar with them. I have a friend, he said this to me because someone else has sent it to him. When it comes to our kids, one of the things that they value most is love, and it's spelled T-I-M-E. So we could talk through this, but let me just give you five family values that we have as a family. These are five family values that you should have for your kids, that you could have for your grandkids. These have worked for us. And they're not values we picked out of thin air. They're values that are rooted in scripture. There's five of them. And if you forget what these five are, if you go down the stairs um, and you see to the right, the kids area, you'll see on the wall, the five family values for our kids ministry just happen to be the five family values that we have in our home. Kindness, truthfulness, generosity, bravery, and respectful, or you could say honor. Those are five things that I want my kids to be guided by as a dad. Those are five values I want your kids, your grandkids to be guided by. Because the rules will change, but if they have these five, guess where these five are rooted in? They're rooted in a very specific set of scripture that we will look for in Corinthians, and it talks about a big word called love, and Jesus says, as I have loved, this is the new. So you take the 10, you get to the two, you get to the one, and then the one is expounded in Corinthians on what that actually looks like. You get the 10 commandments, then you get the two commandments, and then you get the one rule of love and the value of love, scripture on earth in Corinthians for us. Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast. It's not arrogant, it's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable, not resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. How did Jesus love? Like that. And if we're gonna love our kids, we gotta love like that. If we're gonna love each other, we gotta love like that. So what does that look like in practice? It looks like those five values. Love is what? Patient, love is kind. Can I just tell you the first one right there? Kindness goes a long ways. Dads, you will give everybody else the longest fuse on your, um, on your reaction bomb, your boss, your spouse. They get a big, long one. It's just it's like, you get this, you got this like, you're gonna blow up, explode bomb, dads, where you're just gonna like, just walk in like a grizzly bear. That you get a long fuse to everybody else. You know, your boss ticks you off and it's, you're just taking it. Somebody cuts you off in track, it's still going. It's the, bu- the bucket of TNT is right here, but everybody gets this long fuse. And then when it comes to your kids, they get this much. And it's like, <laughs> not very patient. Sometimes dads, take a, breather, take, a, take a breather, get out. Kindness, don't hit your sister. I tell that never to Xander. No, I'm serious. He hits his sister. And he's learning this, but you know what I tell him? Xander, one of our values is kindness. And when you hit your sister, you're breaking that value. There's a difference. There's a difference in telling someone to not do something versus instill the value in them that will dictate what they do. 
And this is the new thing that Jesus did, as I have loved. I'm going to lay down my life for somebody. What does love look like? Love is patient, love is kind. First family value that you should have as a dad with your kids or your grandkids is kindness. Your kids got to be kind. You got to instill that in them. That's what scripture says. Love does not envy, it does not boast. Generous. Doesn't envy. You know what keeps you from being generous? Do you know, do you know what really keeps you from, from just going, blessings on this person? You know what keeps you? I, I am holding on to this because it's all I'll ever have. So when you look at love, love is generous. It, it, it's not, it's not um, it doesn't envy what someone has, what you don't. It doesn't look in, and boast about what you have. It actually boasts in what he's done for you. I want my kids to have the value of generosity. To understand that they are not just blessed, but they are to be a blessing. This is rooted in love, which is rooted in Jesus' value, which is rooted in the two, which is found in the ten. Love is not arrogant, it's not rude, it doesn't insist on its own way, it's not irritable or resentful. Third family value, respect. If love isn't arrogant and it's not rude, have you ever, have you ever watched someone at a restaurant or on an airplane completely dehumanize someone in a service industry? Like the arrogance and the rudeness that just kind of comes out of that situation and you're just like watching that happen and you're like, bro, your ranch isn't that important. You're watching someone being just like shouted down at the hotel like check stand because something went wrong and the manager is just leaning back and you're just watching someone with such rudeness, such disregard for respect, such an insistence on its own way, such an irritable, resentful remark. And you know why that rubs you the wrong way? Because we're made to love. Respect, that's the fifth, that's a third family value. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices with truth. Our fourth value for our kids and for, for our kids at this church and for maybe your grandkids, maybe something you can think about is the value of truthfulness. I don't expect anyone to be perfect. I wouldn't want that, but I hope that they would value our relationship enough to tell me the truth. Because I can help when I have the truth. Because when, when my kids, or when they, when, they, when they rejoice in wrongdoing and they hide it, when something went wrong, and they try to cover it up, that's when I find it later. I'll give you an example. I found a bowl of ramen that probably was 17 years old. <laughs> spilled in the back corner of this couch that we own. And, and it's like this camel sort of like leather, like the ones out there. And it just got dumped with 
all the sauce and everything in there and somebody just decided, I'm just going to put the pillow a certain way and I'm going to cover up the wrongdoing. I, I'm just going to leave it sit and maybe someone will just, maybe it'll go away. I don't know. And that was a great lesson for Danielle, for me and her to have that conversation about why she left ramen there. <laughs> but the truth is, is truthfulness is a value that love is, is rooted in. The last thing, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. You know, I, I've just sort of summarized that for me as a dad and as a pastor and all the other roles I carry. It's just flat out being brave. Because fear will keep you from bearing all things, believing all things. Fear is going to keep you from hoping in all things. Fear is going to want you to switch off the bravery. It's going to want you to cower away, take an easy path. Now, I would submit to you as a dad, when I look at the reality of values and rules, we all can agree that values are more important than rules because the rules are changing. I hope I made that crystal clear for you. What are the kingdom values? Well, we looked at scripture. There's 10 commandments. Those are all rules, really. Jesus was always uncovering the heart of those rules. When it came to the Sabbath, he was like, you guys don't even know what the Sabbath is for. You keep the rules, but you lost the value. Most of Jesus' ministry, how did he love? He's trying to establish the value behind the rule, the 10. He brought it down to two, remember? Two more rules that encompass the 10. And then he brought it to one, a new commandment I give you, love. But what's the new? Is he is loved. And that's is where we get the example. That's where we really find the value in how Christ not just said a new commandment, but lived this value. And when you get a hold of love as it being the thing that separates, that dictates, that guides, that directs, you start to see the lights turn on. And love, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, it goes all through what it is. And what is it? We just talked about it. What's a great way to teach it? Those five values. You live those five values, you're going to find yourself rooted in the value of love, which is the value and the rule of the kingdom. So dads, run through the hypotheticals today. Write those down. Take a picture in your phone. If you're a dad, take your picture of these values or go down the kid's wing and, and look at them and run through the hypotheticals with me. I don't work in hypotheticals. I don't live in hypotheticals, but you can. Think about the last thing that you had to discipline your kid on, or years ago, you had to discipline your kids in. What was the rule? And could you have approached it as a value? And I am here to tell you as a dad on Father's Day, we as a church have to instill values, kingdom values, the kingdom value of love of our king into our kids and into each other because the rules are changing. And those are our five. 
I hope they become our five. Because the rules change, the values remain. God, I pray that you would bless every father here today with an amazing day of honor. I pray that you would give every father here that needs to reach out to their dad in a hard situation a little bit of bravery. God, I pray that every one of these hypotheticals in between when it comes to how we're raising our kids or our grandkids or how we raised our kids, God, I pray that we would look at the value of love as you have loved and bring through our version of love to how your word, God, defines love and ask ourselves this question, do we really love like you do? God, I pray that this church would be a church that rests on kingdom values, not our earthly rules. That we wouldn't get stuck in just going through the motions. But God, we would value what you value. And that's love. So help us to be people that are kind, that are truthful, that are generous, that are brave, and that are respectful. Help us to carry those values into the city and into our families today and into the future. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we ask, God, you will give us the strength to care for our heart, to remember our heart. Now you can say amen. Amen. To help you apply the truth found in Scripture, we always like to ask three questions. What did you learn about God? What did you learn about yourself? How are you going to apply what the Holy Spirit is speaking through Scripture to your life? We hope that helps bring clarity for you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Valley, the podcast of the people of Summit Church. Join us in person sometime as we gather as a church on Summit Avenue. Or join us here at our podcast again, or virtually at our online encounter each week. Before you go, though, Pastor Eric is going to give you a special invitation and share just part of his heart for you, the culture, and a little bit about the people of Summit Church. Hey, Pastor Eric Samuel Tim here. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Let me first say, our city of St. Paul is absolutely amazing. I encourage you to explore all the history it has to offer. And you need to know this, Summit Church has been a part of that history, along with so many amazing churches. Speaking specifically about the people of Summit, well, we've been gathering here since about 1932. And my hope that this would not just be a rich history, but it would be our forward legacy. History is a thing of the past, but legacy makes way for the future. So where are we going? That's a good question. Our vision is simple, to see all people of St. Paul and beyond living as disciples of Christ, people full of hope, fully known, and actively loving one another, living a spirit-led life. Our mission is also simple, to provide rhythm, location, and opportunity where you can have a life-changing experience with God. Journey within the diversity to do these three things. Become disciples of Jesus, to deliver hope, and to champion this city. That is where we are going. That is what we're doing. So where are you going? Maybe that's a good question for you. What are your next steps? I would encourage you to join one of our monthly expeditions. The expedition is a simple experience where you can find out more about who you are in Christ 
who Summit Church is, what do we do around here, and how you can play a part. It's less than a two-hour commitment for your whole month. We also feed you some amazing food and even provide childcare. So the question is, where will we go? Maybe we're on a journey following Jesus together. And I got a hunch, we just might not be us without you. We'll see you at the summit where we prepare for life in the valley. Thank you.